off top. Like football was developed during World War II as a way for the GIs to stay in shape. It was called Touch and Tail. And they brought it back to the States. It became flag football. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. Welcome to the Dominique Foxworth Show presented by Allstate. Throw your hands up. I'm Dominique Foxworth, and I am joined by the energetic Charlie Kravitz. So as you guys may or may not know, we're going to talk about the Eagles game. Eagles, well, I guess I can't call it the Eagles game. The Cowboys game that took place uh, late Sunday night. After that, we're going to get to all the other important things from the game with our good friend Bill Barnwell. So, Charlie, what do you want to talk about? The Eagles season over? Let's the, blow it up. The Eagles defense looked like it was playing flag football. <laughs> they did look like they were playing flag football. So the... I think so. There's a couple things out of this that are important. So the 49ers now in first place, that's hugely important. The Eagles have yet to look like anything close to what they were last season. Yeah. So I think we probably could have said it a while ago that this obviously is not the same dominant team, but this felt like the nail in the coffin. Nail in the coffin suggested they're out of it. They're not out of it. They're still completely talented, are capable of beating anybody, but they seem so weak. And it seems like there isn't an obvious answer out there to solve their offensive woes, despite the fact that they have the talent to get it done and their defensive issues are persistent. Yeah, it seemed like in this game they were like fractionally off on all of their big plays and that really stymied their offense. But their defense, I mean, Jack kicked their ass. The Cowboys, Cowboys might be really good. Yeah, it's, they feel like it. They feel like it. Tough scene for Stephen A. Because <laughs> how about them Cowboys? They feel like they're really good. Uh, what do they look like against the 49ers? And I guess this is the, the optimistic view for the Cowboys is that this team is different, and they have felt different. I'm not yes. sure how many weeks it's been since Dak has been unconscious. I think it's been since after the 49ers game. Yeah. I feel like from that week on, Dak Prescott has been like – He's been at his highest level of play that we've ever seen, and certainly for the most extended period of time. He's and it's not even like his rookie year when he was playing great, but they weren't asking much of him. They're asking him to be the offense, and he is being the whole offense. He's playing like the best quarterback in the NFL. We don't need to sugarcoat it. He has been the best guy. Um, and I think that there have been times where he would have a week or two where we're like, hey, he's as good as anybody in football. It's never been this long. Yeah. It's never been a stretch like this. And I've never believed it before. Like you've said, <laughs> no, I mean, you've, you've believed that he was playing as good as anybody on any given Sunday, but you never really thought he was in that elite, elite class. Yeah. He he's putting the, together a stretch that I think puts him in that class. He's playing the best I've ever seen. Like he had the statistical, like the crazy statistical start to the year when he broke his ankle, when the team was basically like, we aren't very good. We need you to throw for 460 yards every single game. This is completely different. These are high leverage matchups where he continues to be the best player on the field. I got a stat for you. The Eagles, their point differential now is plus 21. Let me down. The Vikings are plus 24. Let me down. The Saints are plus 21. Let me down. They have the 12th best point differential in the league. Ugh. So I don't understand. If we're going to use that as like the, the, the big stat that we lambasted last year's Vikings with, Bill Barnwell's 2023-2024 Vikings, this Philadelphia Eagles team... <laughs> We should be criticizing them, too. I mean, it's just like they yeah. are incredibly good, and they were so good last year dominating both sides of the line of scrimmage. They are not doing that this year. 
Yeah. So the, I mean, it's, it's the reason why we don't do it is obvious is because they've gotten to higher heights than any of the teams or players that yeah. we do talk about like that. Cause of Brock and, Purdy's elbow. Yeah, and, <laughs> whatever. Call it what it's you scary, want. They've got it to higher. I mean, even before his elbow, what they did last no, season, they were, they're so ridiculous. That's the reason why we haven't done it. But as I've said many times is every year, it's a new team and you should treat them that way. You shouldn't carry over these priors. I think for individual players, you can, but for teams, you can't. And you're right. What we're looking at this year is not, they were winning a lot of close games and the way that they were winning the games combined with how good they were last year led us to start to believe in some kind of late game heroics magics, which I guess we also believe in for uh, Patrick Mahomes. And that hasn't worked out in a lot of close games this year. So it's going to catch up to you. The numbers will catch up you to you in defense of Bill Barnwell. Um, what I do want to talk about also, though, is what are we going to say about Mike McCarthy? Because like I, I, it was he was such an easy target because you remember when he got the job he like did a sleepover at Jerry Jones's house mm-hmm. and he tricked Jerry Jones into believing that he had like studied analytics and that was like the he story. watched every play yeah. of the last like, season the story coming out was like he's he spent the years off it was what he spent two years off or one year anyway he spent the time off learning about modern football and then it came out that like no he didn't he told us yeah, he was like yeah. I made that up yeah I, I made this up. And now he's out here winning with whatever type of football. And Dak Prescott's given him a ton of credit for the change to his game. I, I want to argue that he's winning with the same type of football that he won with in the past. But no, he's modified some. But it's not some big, like, overhaul. This offense is effective, but it's not as um, – I want to say it's not as high-powered as it was last year, but it's certainly more impressive than it was last year. This offense? Yeah. I don't know the stats. It definitely seems more high power. Yeah, it's more it trustworthy. Dak's playing better. Trustworthy is the right. Yeah. Word. And like, you know what? Culture and institutional stability matters. And he's <laughs> provided that to the Dallas Cowboys and their locker room <sighs> and Dak Prescott. Yeah, I think that'll get you stability. I mean, I think honestly, the Cowboys are one of the teams that have been yeah. kind of stable and that'll keep you like in the mix but the the real question for Mike McCarthy and our criticism of Mike McCarthy the last few years was like late game time management and decisions in those high leverage situations we haven't seen him in too many of those yet well we also thought that making Mike McCarthy the play caller meant that they're going to run the ball more is going to he's going to hammer the ball with Tony Pollard to the middle Tony Pollard's been largely ineffective this season and so he's like you know what I'll just adapt and yeah. do something different and CD Lamb went from a really nice number two receiver to an elite number one receiver seemingly overnight in the last year where he's, you know, outside of maybe Tyreek, AJ Brown, like that next tier down of just really, really elite receiver. Um, I think the, the, the big thing for Dak that I find particularly impressive is his ability to attack deep down the field in like all three of the like sectors, like middle outside. There is no part of the field that is off limits because normally you'll find particularly in some of the more effective offenses, as we've pointed out, guys attack deep down the middle. And that's mm-hmm. a smart place to go, but you don't see deep outside. He te- attacks all of the field. And it's uh, just eye test. It felt like they ran the ball better today, which mm-hmm. I think is also impacted by the fact that they're scared of that. And there were they're passes that he threw that were dropped that I thought could have been even bigger plays. They've had two more long touchdowns. Yeah. yeah it, it just feels like he's playing at a level. And it also feels like we were waiting for it to – 
to kind of um, boomerang back, but it doesn't feel like it's going to happen. I don't know what it is about this, is watching it tonight. It felt like maybe it's just because it was the, the Eagles. It was one of those big boogeymen that we're also saying is not quite as good as we think it, they are, but it's kind of driving home the idea that we don't have to be nervous about Dak Prescott reverting back to some other version of himself. In the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's I it. mean, that's, 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 your, that's actually your words yeah, yeah, on yeah. it, which I'm, is like, no, this is like, the most trustworthy this is the best stretch of his career um but you know this this is now i i assume after this game we don't have the odds i'm assuming he's going to be the mvp favorite and it should be it's going to be him brock purdy and tyree kill coming out of this weekend um and if you're going to be the mvp and you have this playoff boogeyman people are going to hold you to that standard because they're going to be the one or two seed going into the playoffs most likely um and they're going to be favored in every game except for against the 49ers. So we're going to expect Dak to play at a really high level in the postseason. I think it's probably unfair any given season to like hold it against a player. But for Dak, it's been a long time. Yeah. It's been a lot of seasons and a lot of situations. And I think if we are going to talk about him in whatever class we're going to talk about it, it's going to be determined by how he plays in those biggest moments. I have... <sighs> There's nobody in the NFC that we feel like he can't beat. But the 49ers do seem really scary. All right, so what's our position on Dak? Because I'm not, we're working through this now. The game is just ending. It's probably still going on. But I'm trying to figure out if I believe that they are such a different team now that Dak Prescott is going is able to beat them or they really don't stand a chance when they play the 49ers. They also couldn't stop them, which is – there's no they, reason, lost, they lost 42 to 10? Right, that, yeah. There's no reason to believe that the defense is – is uniquely qualified. Like the defense doesn't feel like they're that much better than they once were. The offense does feel like so. It's like a shootout situation. The offense is so much better. Yeah. Like they, they really walloped the Eagles' defense tonight. It felt like it could have been worse. Yeah. It it like they so could score whenever they wanted. They walloped everyone they've played recently. Also, the kicker. Oh yeah. That dude's sick. Out of nowhere, he a sixty a, and a fifty er yeah, he had another one too, right? But it wasn't as long as it. those two are other ones that are mind blowing. Kickers matters in the playoffs, and you mm -hmm. know how I know it's time to move on to the next topic because you brought up the kicker. Let's talk to Bill Bardwell now. Let's talk about the play of the week: the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play, and boom! On Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish, shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DF today 
to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash D-F. All right, now we are joined by the man with the plan, the stats genius himself, football guru, the best thing to ever be born at Grantland, Bill Barnwell. What's up, Bill? Make you Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, we are recording this while Dak Prescott is likely slicing up that uh, Eagles defense. So the energy might be a little bit higher right now, which is going to be weird. It's going to be high energy <laughs> Vibes at the are end good. of the show. Vibes are good. <laughs> at the beginning of the show, we are going to be exhausted. That's right. <laughs> oh, here we go. Okay. All right, Charlie, what do you want to talk about? So we've time traveled back in time. Mm-hmm. We're going to obviously start with one thing, and that is hilarious Kadarius Tony because <laughs> the Bills no, hold on hold on stop it right there I will not allow us to start there can we are just you, you you don't want to start with well, how else are you gonna start with that game I no no I would like to start with the play the so the penalty that ruined that play from your buddy Kadarius Tony Bills won 2017 yeah. beat the Chiefs Chiefs mm-hmm. have now lost multiple games in a row they still don't have good ride receivers can the offense figure it out blah 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 blah. Probably I just not. love when the camera comes on you automatically turn into an adult but if people knew how okay. helpless you were before the cameras came on but good job proud of you setting that up good context but I don't care. I want to frame the discussion. Right. I don't care about the results as much because I don't have money on this game. I'm not rooting for any team. So the fact that that play didn't count does not bother me as much. I just enjoyed the play. So before we start talking bad about Katerius, can we just talk about how amazing the play was that Kelsey made? Like, it's an incredible play. Had Katerius Tony been six inches backwards? It would be like a historic play, kind of like that 11-second play from, no, you're shaking your head. 13 second. Come on. I mean, 13 second play from. This is the butterfly effect. If Kadarius Tony's a half inch back from the line of scrimmage, he's not at the right level. That okay. pass isn't complete. Maybe he fumbles okay. it. Maybe Travis Kelsey is it, it embarrasses himself in front of Taylor Swift because he tries to make this crazy play when all he had to do is just go down and get the Chiefs in field goal range to tie that game up. And he costs them the game, and the entire universe is altered because Kadarius Tony decided to line up on side. Um, I got to make an admission. I really like that movie, Butterfly Effect. I know that. Of course people, you did. It was a uh, fun movie. No I one loves fake deep stuff more than Dominic. No, Bob's I liked right. it. <laughs> I liked it. It was a good movie. No, I, I. it was a fun movie. It's all right. Nothing wrong with having fun at the movies. You just carry try, around try. A, a quarter red version of Infinite Jest and just uh, use it as a conversation starter. Never also. read it. I, I did not claim that it was a deep, smart movie. I just thought it was fun. Uh, and Charlie, everyone mocked it us? and got on Ashton Kutcher. I don't know his name. Ashton Kushner. Whatever his name is. The movie was fun. It's okay to have fun at the movies. <laughs> you don't got to nerd out about I things. I that you just mixed what? Jared Kushner and Ashton Kutcher. I yes. don't know. I mean, you. Yes, you together. I'm allowed to do it. I'm allowed to mix them up it doesn't work out the way charlie can you give us some more fake deep stuff that dominique (laughs) is into because this could be the entire show i would love this so much uh did you see no we are contractually obligated by Allstate to talk about the nfl right or wrong charlie don't get us sued man we gotta talk football honestly that that would have been the butterfly effect because we would have gone down a very a very dangerous path okay well let's talk Uh, there are some interesting parts of this game i I mean shocker the bills finally won a one score game that was crazy mm -hmm. but i think i would like your thoughts on what's going on with the chiefs like not just the did they get robbed but this is sort of they are 
experiencing the consequences of their own actions. They traded the best wide receiver of a generation. They broke up Montana and Rice to put Kadarius Tony MVS, and now we're like, oh my God, the saviors, Rasheed Rice. The funny <laughs> thing is, to me at least, is we could they could have been wrong and right, and I feel like when they made the trade. I think the people in sports media that want to be smart would said it was a good idea to make this decision there. And I'm including myself in that. And it was a reasonable time to take a step back to like set themselves up to make another run. And then they went and won the Super Bowl. Then we were like, damn, they took a step back and won the Super Bowl. This is the most genius front office decision that could have been possibly made. And you can't take back the Super Bowl. So that's there. But now it's like the punishment is because you assume that they still would have been right if they had average play at receiver. Like, if they had mm -hmm. average play at receiver, we still would be right. But the problem wasn't the trade away of uh, Tyreek Hill. The problem was they tried to replace him with guys who were very flawed and continue to be very flawed. That's the issue here. It's not trading Tyreek Hill because, right. yes, trading Tyreek Hill – it's not like the Chiefs were perfect on offense that final year. Remember, they had trouble. They had that first half of that year. They were the, oh, they can't get past cover two. They're going to get blown up. They had Tyreek freaking Hill, and they couldn't beat cover two deep, the first deep, half deep of that year. It was the second coverage invented. Can't, how, second how, how, how can they not beat it? That was not the deep thought. People were trying to make it like some sort of football genius analysis. Genius. Everybody was walking around going on TV oh. like, no, two deep safeties. Like, hey, shut y'all up what this is not we... two deep safeties is not the problem two deep mm. safeties like patrick mahomes and andy reed ain't never seen a cover two before or a cover four or a six they know how to beat those coverages oh, dominique what if we put a second safety further <laughs> away from the line of scrimmage exactly. what if we put the players further back so it's harder to throw deep oh gosh. and suddenly god smiled upon <laughs> vic fangio <laughs> I mean, this he is, had solved the Chiefs. That's, it's stupid. But you, you guys they, are saying they were stupid. Perfect. But this is also what happens in every sport. It's like three is worth more than two in basketball. It took <laughs> them seventy-two years to figure that out. Home runs are good. Let's let's raise the launch angle. Oh gosh. Anyway, I so won't so this. they did so. So it wasn't like the Chiefs' offense was perfect. Remember, they had that game against the Bengals where they could not score at all in the second half. Tyree Kill was involved with, I think, the final interception of that season for the Chiefs. They trade Tyree Kill. They get Trent McDuffie as one of the draft picks in that trade. Trent McDuffie is an awesome player. They win a Super Bowl without Tyree Kill. Oh, that's great. But the problem is you didn't just sign any wide receiver. You signed Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You didn't just draft any receiver. You drafted Sky Moore in the second round. You didn't just trade for any wide receiver. You traded for Kadarius Tony, And that is the issue here is that when they have devoted assets to replacing Tyree Kill, even when they, they, they drafted Nicole Hardman a few years ago thinking they might have to move on from Tyree Kill, every time they've gone to add someone who was not Tyree Kill to that receiving core, it has been pretty much a disaster to the point where, to Charlie's point, Rashi Rice is being seen as a savior because he's a remotely exciting rookie-wide receiver. He's not Puka Nakua. He's yeah. not Tank Dell. He's just a guy. The Kadarius Tony situation yeah. is incredibly interesting to me because he's an explosive, impressive athlete that we all were like, oh, watch what Andy Reid does with them. The Giants is a situation where we're all like, no, it's the Giants' fault. He gets there. He continues to have the injury concerns. Go ahead, Bill. Do you remember the two people who wanted, who were like fighting over Kadarius Tony on draft night? The two people who wanted to acquire, one person who drafted him, one person who said, I wish I could have got him. 
It was Dave Gettleman and Urban Meyer were the two people oh, fighting over Kadarius Tony, which might have been a sign. It was full bloom love, full to be clear. Love. It is also computer guys. <laughs> Gettleman <laughs> deep cuts. So the question about Kadarius Tony that I find interesting is there are certain places where you make a play in the biggest moment, then we make the joke about how you never have to buy a drink in this town again. Kadarius Tony had a essentially like one of the most pivotal punt returns in that game. One of the most pivotal plays mm -hmm. was a punt return in that game to win them the Super Bowl against the Eagles. But he's paying double for drinks in Kansas City for the rest <laughs> of his life. I think it's the weird thing is I think he's going to be more thought of for this, this stretch because it was so bad. Then I think he will be appreciated for the big play because that you could last year when we wanted to spin up this story about how Brett Veach and everybody there was smarter than everyone else and made the right choice. That trade was a big piece of it. While he didn't contribute a huge amount during the season or in that run, he made a play that they wouldn't have won the Super Bowl without. And it makes it seem like they were on top of things, but now they are paying for it now. And it, it still doesn't feel like they've made the bad, the bad decisions. None of these seem particularly bad to me. Right. And so the Chiefs have lost five games this season, and oh. two of them are Kadarius Tony games, two of them are MVS games. Um, so I think you have to explain. So the first game of the year, Kadarius Tony had a ball he, in his hands, and he, he tipped he, it he up. He threw to, a pick six yeah. as a wide receiver. Yeah, he tipped it to Branch uh, of the Lions, and it ended up costing them the game. It wasn't all on him, but it was such a ridiculous play it went from a first down mm -hmm. to six going the other way and he had three drops yeah game. mvs had one drop yeah he had a bunch of other drops. mvs had that one major drop in the game where all the receivers were playing poorly uh and then last week he had the penalty the, the pass interference they where call. they basically the refs were like oh it's mvs it's uncatchable even if it's right to him um <laughs> and then this game we're gonna blame on Kadarius tony too i guess that's right and well so i do want to talk specifically about this game also because we I can't believe Patrick Mahomes was livid afterwards. And he basically was like, you cannot make this call. Um, they hadn't, they didn't warn us once this entire game, et cetera, et cetera. One, from your perspective, is it on Kadarius Tony to check with the ref? Was it a bad call? Do you let him play regardless? I think that in those situations, we can look back and, and hope and wish that um, refs would let them play. But if the violation was made, like it's hard to have a leg to stand on. I understand you're the, the ref's supposed to give you a little sign to bounce back. You check with them. Like I get it. And it didn't seem, as I said, it wasn't that impactful, but Bill said butterfly effect, whatever. I get all of that. And he was also, Patrick Mahomes was also upset about him believing Von, Von Miller, Miller was offside, yeah. but it didn't look like Von Miller was offside. Let's be honest though. And Patrick, the MVS call last week all together. Let's be honest. Patrick mm -hmm. Mahomes is mad at his receivers and he can't be seen <laughs> yelling and cussing at them. This is like, I don't know. I'm not a psychologist, but I don't think I have to be to know that Patrick Mahomes just was unloading on MVS and Kadarius Tony and Brett Veach for the receivers that he's given him and Andy Reid for not fixing this and the tackles for not holding up uh, and moving right tackles to left tackles and switch. Like he is mad at all of them. All of this outburst, this uncharacteristic Patrick Mahomes uh, unleashing was not because of a couple botched offsides calls. Do you buy the idea that the offsides was so egregious, which has kind of been the conversation happening afterwards? Like you've seen a who, who's the CBS like ref commentator? I can't think of his name. Sorry. Uh, yeah, it was Derek Yeah. Had a very deliberate tweet 
after this game that was basically saying everything but this guy was so far off sides that the refs had no choice but to call this even though he was not warned and to me that's on Kadarius Tony because if you are that far off sides that you're daring the refs to call it almost like Jawan Taylor where he's so far off the line of scrimmage at times that you're basically daring refs who probably would rather just let it go and move on with your lives to actually call it I think that's telling about how much freedom Andy Reid gives his players but also how that can come back to bite the Chiefs yeah, and it's it's one of those things that is one of those calls that don't get called often enough for us to like be able to accept it. I think that's part mm-hmm. of it to me, at least, is we never see that call in that situation because it's something that never, ever happens. You might get an illegal formation because the guy is too far back. It's so rare because like the neutral zone is the width of the ball. Right. And so you should be if you're on the line as close as you can be to that is the back nose of the ball. He was standing like. From our view, his foot was like all the way in the neutral zone. So I agree. It was the most egregious. He was egregiously offsides. If a D lineman had his hand in that position, we would be up in arms. If someone got a sack with the hand right there, we'd be up in arms if that was the situation. So like you have to treat it that way. You want to flip? You want to play the worst game in sports? Yes. The absolute worst game in sports? Let's do it. Flip this. Let's say the Bills were trailing by three points and – Gabe Davis lined up in the neutral zone oh, and what looked like a game losing touchdown that would have cost the Chiefs a game was called back yeah. uh, and given to the Chiefs. Would we not be having a, oh my God, the officiating's biased towards yeah. the Chiefs? But we're not. And we shouldn't be because refs are not competent enough to to, to buy <laughs> games for teams or, or, or to win games. We've seen the past couple of weeks, the Chiefs have had the two most important calls in their games go against them week after week. It's not because you know the refs want to help Patrick Mahomes. It's not because it's a makeup call for last year. There's just random bad refereeing happening or random overzealous refereeing happening maybe. The Bills in this game, we have, we've talked a, l- a bunch about the Chiefs. I do want to talk a bit about the Bills. So I mean, when we say we talk about the Bills, it's really just talking about Josh Allen. Uh, Josh Allen. Oh, I don't know. That's not not this week. Did you? Wasn't it weird at the end of the game for Romo to be like, "Well, this was a tough week for Sean McDermott, and he overcame it." And it was like <laughs> that. That that's not how I would characterize this, Tony. Romo, that's not really, how that works? T- Tony was wilding, man, all game. Which I guess is <laughs> it's Tony just about every week. But I I had a hard time with the time when it was one minute left, and he said, "Chiefs got two timeouts, gotta go for this one." Like he was teaching us something. <laughs> it's fourth and fifteen with a minute left. I don't give. A how many timeouts they got? Yes, we know they got to go for it, Tony. But yeah, the McDermott stuff is mind blowing. It feels like one of those stories that only comes out when they are setting you up to be fired, which mm-hmm. is uh, potentially a galvanized. It gives him an easy speech. He doesn't have to sure. fish around for, for bad speech topics. I got the speech <laughs> for you, buddy. Let's save my job. But anyway, Josh Allen. Well, I do want to talk about Josh Allen. He did the Josh Allen okay. things. And he mm-hmm. was a D-tackle with the ball in his hands when he just barreled through everyone. He was also a D-tackle when he does not throw the ball away and he throws um, shovel pass after shovel pass with people draped all over him and they somehow don't get intercepted and then he does throw another pretty bad interception. So I know that's mm-hmm. always a conversation about Josh Allen turnovers. My general position hasn't changed. You get what you get. You don't get upset with Josh Allen. It comes with the territory. And if you expect him, it's fair to be critical of the bad plays that he makes. But don't be surprised. And the the sky isn't falling. Josh going to give you four touchdowns every now and then. He's going to give you a couple picks and some ill-advised passes. Doesn't this feel a little like 
I don't know. Let me ask you this. I'll start with this. Do you feel like there is a significant difference between the Bills before their coordinator change and after their coordinator change? No, homie. <laughs> I the only dif- the only difference I feel is that Josh Allen is just running more, which the whole conversation we had all offseason, show after show was Josh Allen got to protect himself. Josh Allen has to be careful. Bill's got to take the running game out of Josh Allen to keep him fresh all season. And now their big solution after firing their coordinator is like, oh, yeah, let's just go back to Josh running the ball. That'll solve our problems. So kind of feels like that's not really like a sustainable long-term solution. With them holding the Chiefs to only 17 points, I would like to say that the defense played better, but it still just feels like it's about the Chiefs being terrible uh, and struggling than it is about the Bills' defense stepping up. I got a question. Why isn't it just more sustainable to just down the stretch just have Josh Allen run more, if that makes their offense better? <laughs> I mean, I think this – yeah, the the perception is Josh Allen and um, – Cam Newton, right? And like Cam Newton's career mm-hmm. ended. I mean, I, I get your point. Cam Newton's career ended earlier than most quarterbacks because, uh, in large part, because he's played a more physical brand of football. And Josh Allen is the exact same way, where over the course of a game, it'll hurt a bunch of defenders more than it hurts him. But over the course mm-hmm. of a season, the defenders keep changing. And mm-hmm. the wear and tear, and over the course of several seasons, it'll it'll bring Josh down. So, I mean, I guess the... The question is, how long do you want to have a great quarterback? You want to have one for 15 years or one for 10 years? Well, to, to your point about Sean McDermott possibly coaching for his job, yeah, like that changes your calculus if you're a coach and if you're thinking, you know, I, I need to win right now at this core versus, oh, we're good, we're on the way up. Like the Bills, it, it, it's felt for the last year that this was their window. If anything, their window is closed as opposed to still being open. So it kind of feels like their way of, even that tiny little crack open is just we're going to lean into as much Josh as we possibly can. And I don't fault them for that. I understand why they would do it, but let's not pretend that it's like some like some genius change in their coordinator. It's just they're willing to do stuff they weren't willing to do over the first 10 weeks of the year. So the AFC is wide open. Yep. It's not like oh, the, it sure is. It's not like the Ravens are some imposing one seed. These they smoke the Dolphins. Um, which team? Which of these two teams do you feel better about? Do you think either of these teams could conceivably go on a run? I know that's like a classic sports radio question, but like what these they're dangerous floaters. Josh Allen running the football in January makes them a sure. dangerous floater. He's, what he, do you think, Charlie? Oh, good job, Bill. Put it on Charlie. Definitely. I would be like if I was uh Definitely you asked which of these two teams no, no, and so your answer saying, was definitely. My my I thought he was saying, Do you think they're a dangerous floater? Oh, like okay, if, gotcha. if the Bills sneak in as a seven seed, yeah, I would be zero percent surprised if they beat the two seed in the first round. That would be that would be not shocking at all. I would be more surprised and I can't wait for you to play this clip back in like a month and a half, if this Chiefs team ends up making it to the Super Bowl. Um five seem bad. We're entering the Patrick Mahomes side eye era. Like he's, you know, he's become a great quarterback when he's starting to get frustrated. Um, yeah, I just don't see it this year with them. That doesn't, it doesn't seem right. I don't see it with either of these teams, right, but, but the AFC is so random. Yeah, I think um, I would go the opposite way, which is uh, based on the fact that we have at least seen the Chiefs have one dominant unit. While they haven't been in a while, they have that capability, and they also have Patrick Mahomes and and Travis Kelsey, <laughs> which is, <laughs> I don't know, man. They're pretty good. Uh, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, it's uh, it's hard to imagine either of them doing it, but if one of these teams has to do it. I think it's them, and they're gonna probably win their division, which is gonna. He's my, or the Bills might not even make the playoffs. Yeah, they may. They, I think they. Uh, I was reading before the show. They're at thirty nine percent. Yeah. 
chance now. So they've pried that window. It's it's clo- it's closing. It was down to 20%, I think, last week. Mm-hmm. They've pried it open a little bit more, but they still are more likely to miss the playoffs than make it based on the numbers. So the, the, the numerous say the Bills are one of the best teams in football. Do you guys agree with that? Or do you buy them as closer to their, what, seven and six record now? I, I don't buy them as one of the best teams in football. I mean, when I watch the games, it's not how I feel. Uh, they have one of the best players in football. How, how, how big is the range for best? Because I think they're, they're three. They're like, they're, they're like, the numbers say they're like a nine and four team and their record is seven and six. I mean, that makes sense with the one-score game. So, I mean, I, what my point was going to be is that there seem to be three good teams in the NFL, like really good teams, and they're all in the NFC right now. Yeah. Well, yeah, really good teams is a stretch. Yeah. It's I'm a, not even sure. Like, I, I feel like, yeah, the 49ers feel to me like they are uh, a bit above everybody, especially after what they did today and what they've been doing lately when they have those guys healthy. But the problem with them is – they're so dependent on these special players and every year one or two or three of their special players is hurt and it changes the dynamics for their team. And hopefully it ain't the quarterback because Purdy's balling. I think we've learned from this topic that it helps to have good skill positions. Good wide receivers, good quarterbacks, and don't f- it up if you're the coach. I think Jimmy's that's what we've learned from this conversation. And Joe's. What's All right, next? guys, you ready? Let's do it. Yes. Put your hands up. Oh. Hands up. And now. It's time for our good hands moments presented by Allstate. This is shocking. Today, the Bears were in good hands with Justin Fields, who led the Bears to a win over wow. the Lions. Over his last 17 games, Justin Fields has over 400 or 4,200 total yards, 33 touchdowns combined, 12 interceptions. What's more interesting to you guys, the Justin Fields emergence or the Lions Lionsing again? I will say the Lions lionsing again because I think no matter what happens with Justin Fields, I think the story stays the same this offseason. I, I don't think, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, I don't believe that Justin Fields can do enough to get the Bears to not draft a quarterback with that Panthers pick. And I think Justin Fields is going to help his situation, but I think we, or some of us, were willing to consider the Lions as a legitimate contender alongside those other top teams in the NFC. And over the last month, they ain't looking like that. They look like a maybe like somewhere between the Lions from the first half of last year and the Lions from the second half of last season and the first half of this season. They've looked sloppy. Their defense has looked bad. I know they don't, Dominique's to talk about they're not having another pass rusher besides Hutchinson. They can't cover. Um, and Jared Goff, like Jared Goff is not playing up to the situation right now and hasn't for several weeks. We compliment each other so well because I feel the opposite as you. Like, I, I don't think that the Lions is interesting because I think the, the Justin Fields, to the original question, I feel like Justin Fields' emergence, I guess we're calling it, is slightly more interesting to me because it makes him a more attractive option for a team that is not going to be at the top of the draft. And he shows the ability. Like, at times he looks like Josh Allen. And then at times he looks 
like nothing like Josh Allen. So he looks like I Josh think, Johnson. Yeah, Josh Johnson. Well done. I think that you could. Uh, he looks like Josh Johnson all the time to some people. I, I mean, you left. Wow, I, I that's not not I what I was I saying. I know it's not what you were saying, but I couldn't pass it up. I owe it to my viewers and listeners. Keep telling what they got to hear. <laughs> yeah, I gotta. Yeah, if they see me on the street, they gotta say, "Keep telling what they gotta hear, young one." Inside joke for me and Charlie. Anyway. Um, that that's interesting to me because I've been saying for multiple weeks now that the Lions are an unserious outfit, and as you uh, tried to step on my take that the they don't have a pass rush, yeah, we saw it in this game. They don't have a pass rush, and and even. And that works perfectly for Justin Fields, who loves to hold on to the ball. If you're not going to rush him, oh, he's in heaven. He's going to sit back there in the pocket and pat the air out of that thing, which he did on many occasions. So, yeah, I mean, the Lions are in that weird position. And, and everyone kind of warned them uh, <laughs> about the Jared Goff uh, potential to to not be great and he's doing it now fumbles and interceptions it's a tough look for for the lions especially with the packers seeming to be on the rise i want to ask a tiny bit more about fields because he's a really unique quarterback in the fact that he obviously had been very bad at times early in his career but he's had these like very high highs with his running and certain games where he seemed incredibly explosive offensively in a situation that we know the situation affects the quarterback a lot. It's been a bad situation for a lot of his career. It's going to be really hard for the Bears to have traded out of a pick where they could have had C.J. Stroud and then trade out of a pick where they're going to have Caleb Williams or Drake May. That seems like it's there. But what do you think Justin Fields is? Is this like someone who's there? He's a year away from being paid. Is this someone that a franchise is going to want to invest in and think that he can be a franchise quarterback? And I know that's a broad term, but he's it's really unique to have a penthouse basement quarterback at this point in his career. Um, I want I so badly to be positive about it, but I've yet to really see it happen with just about any quarterback. While you can say that the situation was bad, those bad situations also rub off on the quarterback in mm -hmm. some way and stunt their development. And I've have a hard time thinking of a guy who was highly drafted and played at a particular location so poorly that they moved on from him. Then he went somewhere else and succeeded. So, uh, he I mean, would be the, yeah. But he, there's one, one one guy I can think of, left-handed, played quarterback for the 49ers yeah, for a long time. Steve Young? Yeah. yeah. Steve I mean, Young? Yeah, that that's, doesn't count. <laughs> okay. Would you like an explanation? Count. You want me to explain why it doesn't count? Um, because... All in the system, QB. <laughs> because the, the Buccaneers had the um, creamsicle jerseys. You don't like the count. creamsicle jerseys? Oh, yeah. I love the creamsicle jerseys. As a throwback... Wearing them every week? No thanks. No thanks. Those are not every week jerseys. That's like going to school in a tuxedo. Is no, that literally an unserious no. outfit. <laughs> no, it is. Yes, it is literally an unserious outfit. Like you don't wear, you do not wear a tuxedo to school every day. You wear that to the prom, and them they was dressed up like they was going to the prom every week. You are gonna get your beat in a cummerbund. Everybody knows that. This, this is this is disrespectful on so many levels. It's not disrespectful. Um, Did you wear? Is it disrespectful to you? Did you wear a tuxedo? I'm sorry, but you wore a tuxedo to school every day. <laughs> Can't, you can't buddy. see little. You can't see little Bill just just <laughs> bopping to school every day in a little tuxedo on the bus. You know you can. Uh, I hate bow ties. You know you can. <laughs> Does anyone uh, actually know how to tie a bow tie? No. no, no. I hate bow ties. Ken Rosenthal probably. Not me though. Um, <laughs> Do Dominique's point is fair, but like, I think if you like Justin Fields, and I do, I think you sort of have this process where you discount every bad thing that has happened 
over the last four years to, oh, the coaches sucked. Oh, the receiver sucked. Oh, the line sucked. And I'm not saying those things are not necessarily true, but like, it's also fair to wonder if you're going to pay Justin Fields $40 million a year, which is the going rate for quarterbacks who have one competent season under their belt in Daniel Jones contract. Like the, the math changes. Like you can't be sitting here wondering when you're committing that much money to a player, you have to at least feel like, you know, and I don't know anybody can say they know about Justin Fields at this point. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I, I would like to see the best for Justin Fields, and he could. Uh, the Falcons keep coming up uh, as the best potential option in that offense. He might be spectacular, and he may be the second coming of Steve Young, but I see it as more likely that it doesn't work out for him. And that's why I said that they should have got the hell out of there a long time ago because I'm always right. First episode of this podcast. Um, yeah, it was. It was. And they let, hated me. Let's talk about the Lions side about the, of this because <laughs> – they unserious outfit. The one thing that they had was a high-powered offense. They don't even got that anymore. The Bears' defense got them up. Well, there's so there's the Dominique Foxworth corollary, which you need to, where you need someone to take the top off the defense. You need a oh. fast guy, and they have Laporta. They have Amon Raz, guys who are getting open middle of the field. They theoretically have Jamison Williams, who can't uh, earn targets. Whether that's a Jamison Williams issue or a Goff issue. The offense has been stuck in mud, and this is someone we thought was the fourth best team in the NFC. I don't really know what they are. What do you think is the issue with this offense that shouldn't be this stagnant at this point of the year? Moment Jared Goff gets under pressure, he crumbles into dust. Seems like it's probably the reason why to me. And that's not exactly like <laughs> Goff was good now. That's what we were saying like a I month mean, so, ago. I think no, he made it clear. Know. You did you gotta hear what he was saying. He didn't yeah. say Goff was bad. He's saying the moment he gets under pressure, he is very bad. And the one thing that they have is a particularly good offensive line that has not been particularly good. At least I didn't look at the numbers mm -hmm. for this game, but I know against the the um Packers they were Mm -hmm. really bad and if you're gonna put pressure on Jared Goff and you're not going to get pressure on the opposing quarterback you're asking uh, Jared Goff under pressure to mm -hmm. outplay another quarterback who is not under pressure you're gonna lose a yeah. lot of football games with that recipe butterfly effect I, once you get him under yeah. pressure exactly. that's that the, the thing is Charlie we saw this exact scenario play out with the Rams didn't yeah. we like Jared yeah. Goff looked absolutely monstrous when they had a great line when they had Todd Gurley going when they had a bunch of really good receivers and they had Sean McVay two steps ahead of everybody else once everyone caught up and Jared Goff had to create out of structure had to create under pressure had to create without having easy buttons over and over and over again we saw his limitations doesn't mean you can't win with them we saw the Rams make it all the way to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff but I don't think Jared Goff is an appreciably different quarterback now than the guy he was several years ago. I, I think he's a little better. Maybe you're on the margins. Maybe he's a little smarter about, you know, getting rid of the football here and there. But like, I still think the same fundamental issues that vexed Sean McVay with Jared Goff and led him to trade for Matthew Stafford are still facing Jared Goff here. And for the Lions, who, I mean, they have to make their own decision about Jared Goff and whether they want to commit to him on a more significant deal coming up soon. I think that's a fair question as well. Do you think they regret not taking a quarterback and trading down? They took they took Hooker, right? Didn't they take Hendon Hooker? They did take Hendon Hooker, but I meant with the, the trade down to Jameer Gibbs in the first round. Jameer Gibbs looked nice today though. That's the thing. Like, yeah, he did look great. Like I, I know I know I have to eat all first star running backs, but Jameer Gibbs is fast. Speaking of that, fast. Do you know do you know how uh, how old Todd Gurley is now? He's is he twenty nine? Twenty nine. What? <laughs> 
That's unbelievable. Yeah, so promising future for Jameer Gibbs because so, they drafted not taking a quarterback. I'm in. I don't know if I'm more shocked by Bill pulling out the exact age or him actually being 29. I really thought oh. that um, uh, what's the Amy Smart was the female lead in Butterfly Effect. I thought it was Michelle Williams. I pulled that name. Mm. It'd be, I'd be getting confused. Yeah, you, you could say they look the same. I'm not going to be offended, Dominique. I mean, yeah, I was, I thought they were. Yeah, I Googled huh. it because I was like, what's that woman's name? I thought it was Michelle Williams, but it wasn't. It was Amy Smart. Um, Good movie, though. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Judge me all you want. I also like Tenet. I still don't get it, but I enjoyed it because it was a fun movie. It was so deep, Bill. <laughs> Charlie's found one. He's found, he's found a spot. He's found okay. one. My, Good my, job. my wife, my wife watches Tenet like every time she goes on a plane. And when I'm with her, she tries to explain it to me, and I do not get it at all whatsoever. And I've seen like ten minutes of it just watching it on her screen. And it's a fun movie. Hopeless. I haven't seen it. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Um, do you guys, let's move to another game. Do you guys think the Browns are, are in a better position with Joe Flacco than they were with Deshaun Watson? You can't, you can't even ask that question with a straight face. That should, should tell you how you seriously feel about this question, Charlie. I mean, the answer is yes. <laughs> I watched the games. Have you seen this? Have you seen Joe Flacco spiral? The thing is beautiful. I, well, okay, so the 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 offensive production with Joe Flacco and uh, Deshaun Watson is not dissimilar. I I think you get Joe Flacco, you get a guy who at least is every time we talk about your team is not going to remind people of sexual assault. So yes, sure. you're in a better position if you're going to win just as much and be just effect as effective but- with a guy who is not going to embarrass you. Yeah, but, but like you've already, if you're the Browns, you've already endured the embarrassment. It's not like That's anyone's going to be like, well, good for the Browns. They moved on to Joe Flacco. Like you put in Joe Flacco That's because Sean Watson's hurt. The moment the show Watson's healthy, he's coming back. It's not like they're going with Joe Flacco. So oh, you're not earning any extra credit Joe, for that. Joe Flacco has shown the ability to black out in January and February with true. a good defense. They He's warming up. Like the one thing about – um. Joe Flacco is he's never been an athlete at quarterback. And the reason why you assume that a guy like him is out of the league is because you think that his arm is dead. His arm's not dead. Like his arm looks 
good. He looks as, I mean, he looks like the same player as he was in the past. And I understand maybe not wanting to bring him in to a situation where he's a backup. Maybe he doesn't want to be a backup or he is too big of a shadow. If you have a young quarterback, if he's not willing to be the, yes, literal and figurative shadow, if he's not willing to be like a mentor guy, but there's potential with Joe Flacco. Like he's he's not going to be a perfect quarterback, but he's definitely above average, and he's just coming back. Like, can you imagine if he is still just warming up? You don't think Joe Flacco is an above average quarterback for the average of quarterback play in the NFL right now? So, so he's he's the 16th best starting quarterback in the NFL right now. Ooh, listen, Bill. After 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 like like 25 quarterbacks have gone injured. Okay, so we are. They didn't go sign him to an eight-year contract. They called him and said, "Get off your couch." It's a reasonable thing. Yes, if you can find someone who is a top half of the league quarterback or middle of the pack quarterback for pennies on the dollar off the couch. Yes, that's a good decision. I don't know how you're going to try to turn this against me. It's a decision that they should have made. Decision that well, Jets should have made. Decision a bunch of teams who had injured quarterbacks should have made a long time ago. Also worth noting, he's not he's not replacing someone who's playing above average football. True. Yeah. yeah. So he gets you to average. So he's he's better. But even if the guy who was a starter gets hurt and was better, then you get a guy that's going to at least get you to average. Not everybody can stumble upon Jake Browning, who's apparently a great quarterback. The thing about Joe Flacco is physically he looks fine. I think Dominique's right that he looks basically the same as he did five, ten years ago. The problem is Joe Flacco has at least one and sometimes two or three plays in a game where I watch it ten times and don't understand why he put the football where he did. And that is my concern is that for the Browns, they just need someone to not screw up. That's that needs to be the first primary driving factor in what they get on their quarterback is just protect the football. The Jacoby See, that's, that's where that's where we disagree. Um, I, I get your point. Like I get that as an argument, but the Browns are obviously believe that this is their Super Bowl window. Like this a beginning parts of Deshaun Watson's contract is when they have made it so that they can maintain as much talent as possible and make a run for the Super Bowl. I I don't think that you can make a run to the Super Bowl with a quarterback who is not making mistakes. I think that, yes, your Super Bowl run may be blown up by a quarterback who does make mistakes. But it goes back to the original point. While I was half joking that Joe Flacco can black out for uh, for the month of February or for the month of January and February, yeah, he can have he can throw some balls in bad spots. But he can also throw – I saw the stat here from Dan Murphy that he threw three touchdowns of 30-plus yards – it's the first time anyone's done that for the Browns in, I don't know, a lot of games. I don't Oh, since 1980. <laughs> since 1980. That's a lot of games. That's a, that's a lot of games. You grind at that stat. Yeah, I just saw the tweet, and then I had to go back and check it. But anyway. Give me the analytics on that one, Bill. My, my point there, I think, is pretty obvious, is that the, Bill, the Browns with a, with a quarterback that's not going to, like, elevate them, mm-hmm. it's a team that's likely going to lose at some point in the playoffs. With a quarterback, I think they have a chance with Joe Flacco because he has the ability to have a really great game, which most quarterbacks can't do that. Like that's a really hard thing to do. I, I don't when was the last time Joe Flacco had a really great game? Was it during that playoff run in twenty twelve? The Super Bowl. Yeah. When he, <laughs> I think that was it. That yeah, was probably. that was twelve years ago, my friends. I, I, that's my concern is like I watched five years of Joe Flacco oh, being I get it, kind bro. of infuriating for the Ravens. Like I, get I just it. think 
we're doing we're, we're doing we're, a, we're doing a show and you're put, proposing an argument just to propose an argument to make it entertaining but you honestly no. know i'm right I, no i don't you're not right joe flacco has okay. not been a great quarterback i didn't say he's not had that he has not been a quarterback who could black out for a month since the time he blacked out for a month 12 years ago that's fine Okay, so who who would they be better off with? Do you think they'd be better off with a quarterback that has a high ceiling? Or you're saying Joe Flacco's high ceiling doesn't exist anymore? That's a different. I'm saying it doesn't exist anymore. Okay, so who's the better quarterback for them to have at this point? I, mean, I don't mean to put you on the spot. Maybe you don't have to name a name, but somebody who is just mediocre. I guess Jacoby Brissett is who you think would be a better quarterback, right? You know, I saw Philip Rivers today during the Chargers Broncos game. I, th- I think he could still fling it. Man, I'm not gonna lie. No chance. Rod. No chance. No chance. I mean, Philip Rivers always had that unorthodox throwing motion, uh, and he never had a lot of arm strength. I feel like his probably deteriorated. Got it out. All right, bring him out there. Okay, cool. That's that's so you're gonna knock down my argument for Joe Flacco by saying Philip Rivers. Next, next topic, Charlie. Next topic. It just said Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> Tom Brady. That that would have been a good one. Uh, okay. I'll just ask it. Uh, did Zach Wilson save his NFL career today? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm a little mad at Zach Wilson. He played well enough that I know I'm going to have to talk about him on Get Up. We had gotten away we, from the we Jets. We got a text from Bill today that said, we have to talk about Zach Wilson, huh? No, that was the oh, text so from, from you. Yeah, that okay. was the text from me. Oh, never mind. Yeah, I mean, he, he was, yeah. Um, Can't tell you two apart. <laughs> <laughs> good job, Charlie. He's, uh, he was good. I don't know what to say about that situation. Like, it was such a... A dramatic week for him and everyone around him where he said he didn't want to play and he came out and ended up playing well. But I do think, to your question, this was a great moment because he had those couple of games early in the season where we're like, oh, he's okay when really we're great on the curve. For him to have a bunch of bad games and then remind people that I have some talent, I think it goes back to the point that he's a player that's worth giving a shot. It's not going to be in New York but it'll be somewhere else. But I do think that him playing well, uh, at least showing some flashes at the end of the season is going to get him an invitation somewhere. This was the worst thing (laughs) that could have happened to the New York Jets, a team that has nothing to play for, for this season. They can't bring Zach Wilson is under contract for 2024. And he he makes a decent amount of money next year. Like, and it's all guarantees. They just are not going to have an easy time trading Zach Wilson. They cannot bring him back as the backup to Aaron Rodgers. And my concern is if he's competent down the stretch, that's what they're going to do. It would be so funny. It would be so funny if they brought him, if it was Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson next year. Dude, I I, I do not have to want to go all offseason on all these shows talking about how the Jets are not equipped to win because they have a 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers behind a terrible offensive line with nothing behind him, be called an idiot for six months, then have Aaron Rodgers get hurt and have Zach Wilson get this job back and have to endure this all over again for the third consecutive season. I can't do it. I feel like it cuts both ways. If you're arguing that the contract number is so big that they can't just cut him, then him playing well makes him someone uh, that could be an attractive trade option. So... The problem is, are they going to get infatuated with him again and be like, oh, no, he's so good that we need to keep him. But if the number is so big that you think it's unlikely that they could cut him, he has to play well. So someone will accept him as a trade. But, yeah, I think it's impossible to imagine a scenario where it is reasonable to allow that man back into the locker room next year. And it it sounds like I'm being judgmental of him. No, the whole situation has been a mess. And I think that the easiest way to put this behind you 
unless they're going to move on from Sala, which it sounds like they might, uh, and Joe Douglas, who's been a reasonably good GM in some ways and a terrible GM in other ways. But, I mean, the, you don't remember when they had that one draft where they had all the good players? No? So you got you got, what, got two picks in the draft. Now it's like he's a reasonably good GM? Yeah, I mean, I, Man, I'm not sure what point you're... Get you. I got to get you to read my articles. I just got to be like, listen, he got he got 10 picks wrong, but he said the Vikings weren't going to win as many uh, one-score games. Reasonably uh, good writer, Bill Barnwell. So can you send us some spark notes? <laughs> Bill Barnwell <laughs> is a great writer. And I mean, I, I, I landing, uh, Wilson, not the quarterback, Wilson, the receiver. Garrett, Garrett Wilson. Yeah. Garrett Wilson. Brees He's Hall. Great. Uh, is enough. It's enough for me. Good, good GM. That's enough. That's all I need to give you. Reasonably good GM. I thought you were gonna I, say they built a good defense. I literally they did build a great defense, but I can't remember all the picks that they made on their defense Oscar that made either. them great. Oh, he sauce. Yeah. The cornerbacks. Sauce. Yeah. yeah. Why do you make me? You you attacked my confidence, Bunning and because Williams. it was you, Bill Barnwell, I actually got shaken. No, he has been <laughs> good in some ways. The fact that they don't have an offensive line and they brought back this terrible quarterback are the two gaping holes in his general manager. But last year, we were like, they're just a quarterback away. The team is not awfully built. There are teams out there that are bad body teams. This is not one of them. Anyway, well, I'm how, not, how, I just turned into a Joe describe, Douglas argument. This is the rid most ridiculous thing ever. How would you describe the Jets' body? Uh, um, Jeff's Jets' body. Oh, I would say that it's muscular. It's a muscular, firm body. Skip leg day, though. Definitely skip leg day. Upper body focus. The pretty muscles stand out, but the core ugly ones that you really need, no booty. No booty. No booty on this Jets' body at all. Is that what you expected? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, like, like, to me, I think if you're going to make a case to move on from anybody, you would say Douglas over Salah because right. with Salah, you can make the strong case that he's built a really good defense. And if you get rid of Salah for an offensive minded coach, any benefits you might get from the offense will be offset by having a worse defense. You just get rid of your great defensive minded head coach. I mean, I, I, I don't believe that the defense, I think Salah obviously has some contribution to the defense, but I think the defense is a well-built defense with a lot of talent. Um, Salah comes from the 49er system, which is not a complex defensive system. It's get D lineman that's going to beat everybody's and they hit on some corners. So, yeah, like if you have D lineman, they're going to beat everybody's and there's not too many coverages that are, are going to be bad. I don't think that moving say on that, from. Say that, say that to the Eagles right now, whose defense has been terrible. They, and they got a lot of stuff. They've been somebody's struggling, ass. but they are weak at, uh, at safety and weak at linebacker, which we recognize that. Uh, with Williams and Mosley, they have good linebackers in New York. Anyway, we don't need to get into the weeds of breaking down these two defenses. The point okay. is they might move on from Salah, which I think Salah has a good case to argue that he's kept this team together because they're still fighting, which is mm -hmm. like normally you say they've given up on a on a coach. They've kept this team still fighting to this point, and they managed to muster up. It's a real big game for Hackett. Hackett, I mean, he was the guy who we really were killing. Like he's just Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. game for Hackett. It was. We would kill it. I'm confused. Do I? Am I crazy? This well, not they, beat, sense. Uh, they beat Davis Mills, Noah Brown, and Previn Jordan. But the the Texans. <laughs> oh. So Nathaniel Hackett. We've been killing Nathaniel Hackett because he's not been able to put together an offense across two separate yeah. teams, and we're saying that you're just here because you're Aaron Rodgers' friend. True. He put together an offense with a quarterback that a week ago we all thought was not even good enough to be in the NFL. How are you two ganging up to gaslight me into thinking that's not something that he can be proud of? It's something he can be proud of. He already got a, two game balls this year for Hackett.
This is a waste yeah. of time conversation. No, one, one and a half, because they, they had no points in the first half of this game. He gets he gets half a game ball because they were good in the second half. All right, I'm done fighting with you guys over things that no one actually cares about. We'll see what they do with this team. We don't know. Zach Wilson will end up somewhere else, hopefully, for him and them. We're going to time travel, but do you want to know the score of the Cowboys-Eagles game right now? Yes. Okay, yes. Uh, Cowboys 17, Eagles 10. I'm going to guess Cowboys 10 Eagles 7. Hmm. 17 3 Dallas. Whoa! Damn! I wanted happening. to say 3, but I was like, they probably scored a touchdown. I thought I really you were like, to... the Eagles are in the red zone right now. Damn. All right. Well, then I'm right. All right. Maybe. Thanks, Bill. You're the man, even though you shook my confidence at the end there. I had too much respect for your knowledge because I was like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not going to be embarrassed well, I know, on my I, own I, show. I, I know you like very shallow, deep things. That's me. So <laughs> that explains why we get along so well. This has been the Dominique Foxworth Show presented by Allstate. Mm. Thanks, Bill, for joining us. Thank you, Charlie, for uh, co-hosting alongside me and finding a nice way to poke me. Oh, really pokes me. All right, thanks to all the great producers and Podville for letting us use the studio. Kevin, Brian, Megan, Serafina, and Cortez. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.